show everybody welcome to the straight line with ryan leaf it's been a while uh some exciting things have played out uh aaron Rodgers emerged from the darkness uh what does that mean for the green bay packers and uh finally after the franchise tag window opened we have our first player tagged and that would be deron payne from the Washington Commanders. This guy was on a lot of lists for us, for teams in needs of like free agents, go out and find a guy, and, and the Commanders know how important he is. Weren't able to get a long-term deal done, uh, so they franchise-tagged him as a defensive interior lineman. Uh, they'll probably keep negotiating to see where they get. This is a huge win for them. One of the main differences in this Washington team over the last few years has been their defensive front. Jonathan Allen, Chase Young coming back, uh, and now you get Deron Payne for another year under the franchise tag, I think is a huge win. Uh, disappointment for a lot of teams out there that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks around what they need to do in the free agent market. He would have been a coup if you were able to get him. Uh, sticking in the NFC East, uh, the New York Giants uh, cut free agent signing, huge free agent signing from a couple years ago, Kenny Galladay. Um, it's, it's a disappointment, right? Because of how much they paid him in terms of how many catches he had, how much he influenced this team. I will say, I got to give the guy a ton of credit for, um, for being benched and kind of put to the side. Uh, he kept working his tail off late in the year last year when he got some opportunities, he made the most of them. Um, interesting to see where he lands next. I like the LA Rams. I think he's a guy that's still capable of being a, a very good number two or three. Um, and he'd be reunited with a guy he knows really well in Matthew Stafford. They have a really good relationship. So that may be a landing spot for him. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Um, the Falcons, uh, they cut former number two overall pick Marcus Mariota. I think the writing was on the wall here uh, when they benched him midseason, let Desmond Ritter uh, take over. Uh, the bigger question now is where do the Falcons go? They have a ton of cap space, uh, but Arthur Smith and this team, they, they have to win. They have to win now. Uh, do they go look for a quarterback or do they try to build around Desmond Ritter, who you know didn't play bad down the stretch, but uh, clearly was a rookie, and we'll see how that finds out, uh, see what that looks like. As for Marcus Mariota, uh, two guys in a, in a span of two days, uh, second overall picks who had some success, some playoff success, um, and moved on to their second, and now Carson Wentz, third or fourth team, have been released in consecutive days. We'll see where both of them land uh, moving forward. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in the same division in the NFC South there. They move on from Len uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, huge part of their Super Bowl win a couple years ago. Um you know, but just too much of a cap casualty, too much money on board to stick him to have him stick around uh, as not the big contributor that he used to be. It's it's a different different world. They'll move on there. There's going to be a lot of those in Tampa Bay trying to figure it out moving forward. All right, started this uh, oh, a couple of weeks ago. We've taken the 18 teams, of course, 
who did not make the playoffs. Those teams, uh, we have taken one by one, starting with the number one overall draft pick, uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, and we've gradually moved our way through. We're at the seventh overall pick right now with the Las Vegas Raiders, of course, making big news during the season late in the year when they benched uh, Derek, uh, Derek Carr and uh, moved on to Jarrett Stidham and then pretty much announcing that they were no longer going to move forward with, with Carr as the quarterback. They ultimately released him a, a few weeks ago before his $40 million guaranteed kicked in, and now they're on the search for a quarterback uh, and many other things. They had a very disappointing season when there was a ton of optimism. Um, Josh McDaniels is the new head coach a year ago. They do not get it done in his inaugural year, and they believe the best move is to move on at the quarterback position, dismantle the defense, and move from there. All right, so their strengths. Josh McDaniels is supposed to be a strength. It's a reason why they said, we're going with him. We're going to move off in a different direction with the quarterback. He is a, uh, uh, from, from his time with Tom Brady, from his time in New England, he schemes up offense better than most. It's a reason why he's gotten so many opportunities to be a head coach. Uh, and it's very important that he wins this next year. And so for him, it's going to be about getting a guy to play quarterback in his system and be successful, okay? So he's a strength, supposed strength. Devontae Adams, maybe the best wide receiver in all of football, uh, demanded a big contract after the, tr uh, after the uh, uh, free agent deal uh, a year ago with the Las Vegas Raiders. He had a heck of a year uh, with his former college quarterback, so he's a definite strength. The pass rush, I think, was disappointing last year. I think – we assumed when they signed Chandler Jones, it was going to be a different sort of scenario. He wasn't as impactful as a lot of people thought. Max Crosby, though, he showed up. He signed the big deal before the season started or midseason and has absolutely played his butt off, continues to do so. So if they can bolster that, maybe with some interior pressure to allow those guys on the edges to free up a little bit, that becomes even more of a strength. And then the wide receivers tight end combo, right? You got uh, – Adams already. Mac Hollins is a free agent. We'll see what that looks like. But then you add in, um, um, you know, you add in Renfro in the slot. And then Darren Waller at tight end, maybe one of the top tight ends in all of football. So those are real strengths for this football team. They really are. I think Las Vegas is a, a very attractive place to go, right? No state income tax. Uh, it's up and coming, um, you know. Sports uh, in general and sports betting is, is becoming such a huge part of everything. This is, you know, front and center uh, for that on the Las Vegas Strip there. The weaknesses, like we said, Josh McDaniels is a bit of that weakness too, right? He has not been a good head coach. All the data showcases that he is not a great head coach. Now, does that change, right? You know, he inherited a quarterback in Denver, right? Didn't get a chance to choose his own. Now he gets a chance to maybe have a say in it and who's going to go about it, right? Is Jared Stidham the answer, or are they going to look outside that? We'll get into that a little bit more. Another weakness, the running game, especially if Josh Jacobs finds another home. He is a uh, free agent. He had a chance to be picked up on his fifth-year option, but the Raiders did not do that. Then he goes out and has a career year, led the league in rushing 
last year for this Raiders team. If they don't re-sign him, their rushing game becomes a real problem. I do believe that. And then the defense in general. One of the bigger conversations when Derek Carr left was that he's never had a top 10 defense. What would Derek Carr look like with a top 10 defense? Well, the Raiders have not had that. And unless you have that in that division when you go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin Herbert twice a year, uh, and now Sean Payton's offense twice a year, you better be good defensively. So that has to improve greatly moving forward. Big free agents, all right? Whether you move on or re-sign, there's some out there that you go get, and there's some that you try to retain. Josh Jacobs is one of them. Now, if you have the franchise tag him, you know, you get him on a, on a small number at $10 million, that's a possibility. I don't know if a long-term deal uh, is worth it. Again, at running back, if you're, you know, if he's going to ask for more money than that average in a year, let's see if he can do it one more year in McDaniel's system and then maybe give him a long-term deal, like a three-year deal. Um, the Mark Hollins uh, conversation, I think he'd be uh, – I think you'd be um, – Really upset with this offense if you don't re-sign him. I think he's an integral part to what they do offensively. I think he is a solid number two to uh, Devontae Adams and allows Hunter Renfro to do a lot of things in the slot that opens up opportunities. Darren Waller down the middle. I mean, if you have those four guys week in, week out, and they didn't have them all, all year, right? The, the main three, Waller, Renfro, and Adams, didn't have them together all season, but a, but a handful of times. You have those four out there, Hollins, Adams, Renfro, and Waller. That is a absolute beast. Uh, it just matters who you got throwing them the football, okay? Um, I don't know if this name's been batted about enough, but of course, Josh McDaniel's relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? He is a free agent. Kyle Shanahan has flatly said that he is not going to be resigned to the San Francisco 49ers. Therefore, uh, he's a guy that, uh, that, that could fit in really well. I think a lot of people would probably argue, are Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo that much of, of a difference? I would say probably not. But I also said, Las Vegas, you were making a mistake by getting rid of Derek Carr as well. He wasn't the problem. It's all about the defense. So that's where we go next. The two Cincinnati safeties, both Vaughn Bell as well as Jesse Bates, are free agents. Those two guys could shore up some things, as well as maybe a corner in Bradbury out of Philadelphia. It's a defensive side of the football thing. Linebackers, safeties down to corners are what make the difference. Let's look at the draft, okay? This is what they got for the 2023 NFL Draft. They have the seventh overall pick in round one. They have the 38th overall pick in round two. They have one-third, a fourth, two-fifths, a sixth, and two-sevenths, okay? So let's go to round one. Seventh overall pick. Uh... Depends on what they do at the quarterback position in free agency. If they go get one, if they're able to land an Aaron Rodgers, if they're able to land a Jimmy Garoppolo, then they don't look at uh, um, quarterback in the draft, at least at the seventh overall pick, right? They look probably what I think would be good is Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. A little undersized, but every bit of film I watch, guy shows up in every aspect of the football game, whether it's in coverage, whether it's getting to the quarterback as a on a corner dog, or in the run game, making big stops at the line of scrimmage. It's been incredibly impressive. I like him at seven. I also like Peter uh, Skaronsky, uh, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Okay, you gotta whoever you get a quarterback, you gotta protect him. 
and this is one of those good ones, right? This, this guy reminds me a little bit of Sha, uh, Rashawn Slater, of course, who came out of Northwestern, went to the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, has been a, a great pro um, protecting Justin Herbert when he wasn't injured. So those two guys. But if you don't go get a free agent quarterback, this is where C.J. Stroud comes into the mix. I think he has the best chance out of the four guys we're all talking about the quarterback to be the most successful NFL quarterback. I think he's got every intangible. I think he's played with great receivers. I think he's played in a pro-style offense. I think what we saw in the Georgia game and how he moved around the pocket to make plays is a difference maker. So if he's able to be there at seven and you haven't found your quarterback yet, I would jump all over C.J. Stroud. Okay, let's go to round two. You got the 38th overall pick. There's a couple guys I want you to take a look at. I go Joe Tipman, offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. He's a guy that probably could fall in that, in that spot. Uh, bolster that uh, interior line, as well as Jair Brown, uh, safety out of Penn State. Okay? Those are the two guys at round two that I really like for you in the draft. See where that falls. A lot of stuff has to happen before then. The NFL Combine starts up this week. We'll learn a lot more about some of these prospects uh, moving forward. But next, this is pretty cool, uh, Jared Allen former all-pro defensive end, played for the Chiefs, of course, played for the Vikings, uh, made a couple other stops some some other places. Uh, He's going to join us next. He's got a really interesting transition from his NFL playing days to what he's doing now. It's always been a lot of fun. Can't wait to have him on the show next, right here on The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. Uh, uh, awesome next guest, um, uh, 12th in the history of sacks in the NFL. Uh, played most of his career for the Kansas City Chiefs as well as the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people know where he started. He started at uh, little old FCS Idaho State in Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, let's welcome to the show Jared Allen. Welcome to the show, Jared. How are we doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. You bet. You and I were just talking about this. Uh, just kind of, I, I'm from Montana, so I know what the Big Sky Conference is like. It's Montana, Montana State. That's what I grew up in. Um, you know, tell us about what uh, got you to Idaho State. You know, and 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 how the career went, and, and enough to get you to be a fourth round draft pick. Uh, yeah. You know what? I actually. Um... You know, I got long and short of it. I mean, I got in trouble, so I ended up at Idaho State. Uh, I committed to the University of Washington out of high school. That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to play in the, uh, in the Pac-10 back then, and you remember it. Um, there wasn't 30 schools in the Pac-10 back then. Literally, only had 10. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I ended up, uh, you know, a senior prank, or I guess Joe's a junior prank gone wrong. We thought it would be funny to... Uh, Pretty much steal all the yearbooks. Uh, school didn't find it as funny as we did. Got kicked out of, <laughs> got kicked out of school for it, and um, lost about thirteen full rides on that account, and ended up at old Idaho State. Uh, but that's how probably we we, we start our connection, right? We had the whole Washington State uh, staff, from like you mentioned earlier, from the Rose Bowl. Okay, not the whole staff, but a lot of the defensive side of the staff come over uh, with Larry Lewis being our head coach and uh, and stuff like that, and they recruited me out to. Um, Idaho State. I was I was sold because I didn't want to redshirt. I wanted to come in and play right away. And 
So I went out there and had a good career and ended up getting drafted by the Chiefs. Yeah, you did. You made the most of it. I, I, I love the story, uh, overcoming, uh, finding success wherever you're at. Um, and, and then you, you, know, you, you ran incredibly well at the Combine. Um, was it, were you surprised that maybe you fell to the fourth round, or was that kind of where you were, where you were feeling you were going to be uh, with your agent and everything heading into the draft? Yeah, I knew I was going to go anywhere from the third and fifth. Uh, you know, you had the whole sm small school moniker. I was not a, uh, an angel student or child <laughs> or person through college. Um, had my fair share of, of run-ins with uh, nonsense. Um, so I kind of knew where I was going. Uh, so, you know, I knew I... But I mean, confidence-wise, I knew I could play with anybody. I knew, you know, from my from my stats, from like you said, I ran well at the combine, uh, worked out well. You know, I could, you know, I could I could be at those upper rounds. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew exactly where I was I was going to go, and it, I, I figured I'd either go to Tennessee, Cleveland, or Kansas City. Those were the three. Well, that... well, you did a heck of a job. Two-time sack leader, I think, 2007, 2011. Um, got after the quarterback. Um, what's the transition been like? Uh, after the NFL career is over, though, it's it's always different for everybody. Um, we're going to kind of get into the curling aspect of things, but you know, what was it like for you in that transition when you left the league? Uh, easy, you know what I mean. So I, I always knew from the beginning. I mean, I love football. I'm a complete meat stick, right? Um, been playing it since I was eight years old, but I always knew at some point it's a means to an end. Uh, you know, I used to tell people all the time, even if you play 15 years, I mean, that's a that's a long, long career in the NFL. Right. But it's such a short span of your life. Um, so, you know, for me, it, the transition was easy. Um, like I said, I was, I was blessed to have a successful career, was blessed financially. Um, you know, for me, my faith was always first, uh, especially later, later in my career, my, my life and need your priorities. Right. So my faith, my family, um, all came first and I'm, I'm one of the real fortunate ones to, I was never cut. Um, anytime I was traded, it was to where I wanted to be. I initiated the trade. Um, and so I got to play my career on my terms. And so I got to leave on my terms as well. And so I think, you know, that's where you, know, you see guys struggle is because there's that, that sense that they didn't get to accomplish everything they wanted. Um, and I knew at some point I was only chasing numbers, whether it's money or whether it's, um, you know, sacks and those kind of stats and stats. So, um, you know, I, I knew it was time, you know, I was starting to get, you know, broke played the Super Bowl with a broken foot, uh, busted my L5 out my last two years. Uh, so the ability to train at the level I needed to train at to be at the level I expected to be at, you know, was starting to fade. And so uh, I figured it was time to uh, chase the kids instead of quarterbacks. Well, uh, it, I commend you because uh, the, it's rare, I find, that uh, when I talk to guys around the transition, the identity of who you are and the understanding of who you were, I think is huge. Uh, so let's lead into it. How, how did you get into the curling aspect of things? Because I think that's a, a huge storyline of your post career. Yeah. You know what? Um, so I actually, I, I'll give you the, the clip noted long version, right? I, I actually took a, I'm making a bet with a buddy of mine when I was still playing, we were playing golf one day and, uh, you know, having a couple of beers on the golf course. And I was like, man, when I retire, Dude, within three years, I'll make a PGA Tour event. I really like golf, right? <laughs> Done. So I think he threw some stupid astronomical number out there on a bet, and I'm like, whatever, okay. So, you know, years pass at this time. You know, I've still played probably three, four years after that bet. And then we were, uh, I was playing in the Tahoe tournament, and I think it's probably my second year after being retired. And I just had a 
dog piss round. I was just like, oh, dude, it's so bad. And he just looks at me, he's like, you might as well pay up now that you have no chance of winning this bet. And I was like, okay, well, first off, you can't afford the bet. So let's not even, let's not even, the bet has never really existed. So we were back at the house that after that summer, we spent our summers in Tahoe. We were back in Arizona hanging out and uh, had everybody over. I think I just got done watching Eddie the Eagle. So I convinced him, I was like, hey, let's let's parlay this bet into me making the Olympics at a sport. And I was like, figured in my mind, I'm like, all I gotta do is find the sport we're not good at, right? Enter that category. Um, and boom, Olympian. <laughs> so at the time we hadn't won medals in like badminton or shooting and, or and uh and curling and all that stuff. And I was gonna do an individual sport, but uh got out to Nashville kind of while I was doing that. All of a sudden Schuster goes on a run, wins gold. So I look like an idiot, but I was already down the road of choosing curling. I got over here, I was talking with Bolger and a couple uh got you know Bullock and uh Michael Roos. And I was trying to put the other badminton thing. Bolger and I were going to do badminton. And I started watching them on badminton. And I was like, man, these guys are running around like crap. I don't think my old bones can handle this. So we decided on curling, gave us a longer time. Like I said, Schuster then wins the gold. So we look like jerks thinking like, oh, these guys are just going to come become Olympic curlers. But uh, I have a mindset. Once I'm, A, I've never welched on a bet. And B, once I'm, uh, once I'm down the road on something, I'm determined to be the best. And so... Uh, yeah, I've been curling now for like the last three or four, I guess, four years. Um, and we just we just went out to Nationals, beat Schuster at Nationals. Uh, you know, we were sitting three and one. We lost three straight to finish fifth, which sucked. But uh, but we're heading in the right direction, and we got a few more years to try to make it to the Olympics in, uh, in Italy. What's that, 2026, 20, I think it is? And, and you'll win that bet. You'll win that bet. Uh, uh, that's all I care about. All I care about is him having to see the look on his face when he has to tell me, A, I can't pay the bet, and B, crap, you won the bet. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. I love it. I love Sorry it. <laughs> What's harder? What's harder, curling or rushing the passer? Oh, man, totally, totally different, right? Uh, so curling is – I liken it to your short game of golf, right? It's, it's putting, it's finesse, it's, you know – everything it's you've got to be in complete control of your body where you know in, in rushing the passer in football you can use adrenaline you can use emotion to advantage right where um in curling you know you might sweep a rock into end and you have to come back and make a finesse you know shot or you, you might have to rifle one down there as hard as you can to take one out and then like then you got to come back and make a finesse shot so um i mean football is ultimately harder just because you're i mean the physicality that comes into it but from a mental standpoint, uh, curling is like chess on ice and understanding, you know, the angles and this, and you're missing I mean, you miss by a couple inches. That could totally change the shot here and there. So um, two totally different uh, sports. Ultimately, well, overall, obviously, football rush in the past was harder. But there's a, there's a challenge to curling to be consistent, and your margin of error are so small. Wow. Wow. It, 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 it's always fascinating to watch for me. All right. If you started a curling team but could only use some of your former NFL teammates, right, the ones you played with, okay. what, what would that team look like? Oh, the only guys I've played with. So, I, you know, I've, you said, so my team doesn't look the same now. I did have four. I did have three other NFL players on there. The only guys I've played with. Um, you know what? I have to say I think Trent Green would be my skip. 
right? Yeah. Uh, Trenton, Kansas City, and obviously very talented quarterback. But I think more importantly for for Trent, his demeanor is always pretty much like this. He's very very steady Eddie, very collected, put together. Um, I need that in a skip. So smart guy. So I think I'd use him as my skip because uh, he needs to be like the least amount of emotion. Obviously myself, I'd be on there. Yeah, another big bruising sweeper, athletic guy. Uh, Kevin Williams because he's one of my I, one of my favorite people of all time I ever played with. Uh, I put Kevin Williams probably as my as my my leader second. Put him on the broom with me. Um, and then my third guys who I played with. Um, you know what? I would I would say either Chad Greenway or like Ben Lieber. One like of those guys. Little Ben Lieber with a bald head yeah. running around there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably Ben Lieber because again, he's gonna give you just the right enough emotion. I think if you have like, well, because Kevin's quiet, so it could be Chad. Chad and I are both very highly emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be my that would be my my mix up right there. All right. Uh little game here. Uh start bench cut. All right. Uh former teammates. Let's uh you can start or bench or cut one of these three players, okay? Priest yeah. Holmes, Adrian Peterson. And Matt Forte. Those are your three options. Who are you going to start? Who are you going to oh, sit down? And who are you going to say, see you later? Oh, man. Those are obviously uh, three great running backs. Um, so I'm, I'm starting Adrian all day. All day. I, 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 think he, I think he is. I mean, Priest, Priest was above his time. And Adrian was is Adrian is just. I see. I had the pleasure of playing against Adrian as well, and uh, and Matt. Actually, I never actually got to play. I think Priest only played maybe one game with me because of his neck. Uh, I don't even know if he played a full season with us. Um, so then I'm gonna sit Forte for um, for uh, Peterson to start. Right. Yep. I'm gonna cut Priest just because he was in. He, you know, he had the injuries. Yep. yep. Uh, I mean, wrong. Priest Holmes was an insanely, insanely incredible back. But I spent more time playing against him with those other guys, so that's how I believe it. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, uh, it, it was unbelievable. I remember going to watch my little brother play. He was playing for the Oregon Ducks at the time. They were playing Oklahoma in the Holiday Bowl, and it was it was a man amongst boys, and it was kind of like that when at the NFL level, and you got to see it firsthand for sure. All right, uh, before we get you out of here, uh, let's do a little. Uh, who was the toughest offensive tackle? That you had to go up against the guy you knew you were in for a long day trying to get to the quarterback. Uh, Willie Rolfe, hands down. Everybody asked me this question, and I got to play with Willie, uh, but unfortunately, I had to practice against him my entire rookie year every single day. Uh, in my opinion, w Willie Rolfe is the hands down best offensive tackle to ever play the game of football. Um, and I know I could probably take some flack from that because you got Walter Jones. I mean, you got the Munezes of the other world. You got you know the Ogdens, but Willie Rofe, his ability, you know, because he just didn't look like he could move, right? And yeah. so it's a lot you in, and he was so athletic and so powerful. Um, and he literally could get put guys where he wanted them to be. Um, I remember one time he told me he was laughing. I was we were playing every play the Colts, and he was, you know, I was like, Man, you got Freddie coming up. And he was like, Listen. All I want, I want that dude to run around the edge. He said, if he gets to the quarterback, you know what I mean? The quarterback, if he's not smart enough to step in the pocket, that's his fault. <laughs> so, um, but Willie, I, man, because I'll tell you a quick story if we can end it, but in, in training camp, this is where I knew he was the best. I was probably about 275 pounds my rookie year, and we're doing a, uh, you know, a half-line run drill, 
And so I hit him underneath his chin. I lock him out. Greg Wesley comes down. He smacks Priest Holmes right in the you know, hole. Defense wins. You know, great. Coach Vermeil lost his crap on us. Nobody touches the ticket. He used to call restart ticket to the Super Bowl. So he dog cusses. He dog cusses Willie, Brian Waters, Casey Wigman. Dog cusses the defense. I'm like, you should be proud we won, right? So it makes us do it again. So I hit Willie even harder, come off the ball even harder, and I go to lock him out. And he picked me up off the ground and ran with me like three or four steps, threw me on my head as I tried to get up, speared me in the back. And right then and there, I was like, okay, that guy let me win the last rep. And that is a full-blown man, and I better be his friend because I, if I can learn to beat this guy on a regular basis, I'll have a great career. You'll have a great career uh, if that's the case. And, and so, Willie, I used to pick his brain. He used to talk to me about offensive line sets, all this stuff. Uh, I love that guy. He's hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, hands down, just so dominant. It's a good one. It's, it's a really good one. And some of the most understated – left tackles are guys you didn't hear much from that was able to be as physical and athletic uh, in their mobility as anything. So that's, that's an awesome one. All right. Um, I loved your, your, your sack celebration because I don't think a lot of people knew what it was. I grew up in Montana. Yeah. I went to, I went to, I rodeoed a ton. Uh, I, you know, I knew that the, what calf roping was. And I always thought that was an incredibly great, uh, you know, sack celebration. You got, you got three top, Sack celebrations of all time. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming yours is number one, but what are the what are the other two? Yeah, I, I like mine. I'm not gonna lie. I really do like it. Um, so big fan of Neil Smith hitting the home run, right? Because Neil actually led me to. Uh, we actually played the Chargers, and I didn't. We, when he went in the Ring of Honor, I did his uh, sack celebration, and um, and he we went out to dinner afterwards. And he was like, "Man, I appreciate you honoring me." He's like, "Man, you." Yeah, we were talking about we you know how I grew up. This is what it, you know what I did. This that and the other. He's like, man, just find something that's that's unique to you and 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 ride you know ride with it. The fan of love, and so we came up with with that. But uh, man, the top another top three sack celebration. Oh man, um, you know what I got? I gotta say I, I do. And Sean Merriman's turning out the light on this thing because he had the tattoo of the light switch. Yeah. For about a year, probably about three years, that was one of the coldest uh, celebrations out there. Light switching people. Um, so other than that, I'm trying to think. There's not a whole lot of more, a whole lot of memorable ones. I mean, those were the ones that stuck into my head. So I'm gonna have to go with those. You know what? Those, yeah, those, those three for me. Sean's is great. I loved Neil's. I played with Neil one year in in San Diego. Uh, you know, hitting a home run on that, and then. I still tell people all the time. People don't. They still don't get what the hell you were doing. And I'm like, dude, he's tying. He's ro- he's roping a calf. You know, he's got yeah. him on the ground. He flips him over. He throws his hands up for the timer to call the time. Let's go. I love it. Yeah. People are like, oh, is that Jack of the Box? I'm like, if that was a Jack of the Box, I'd be doing this. People, come on, yeah. get it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Jared Allen, everybody. Uh, hey, man, thanks for taking some time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, good to see you. Glad to see you're doing well. And you know, anytime you want, come on the show, man. We'll we'll have a blast. Hey, I'm here. Just let me know. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, everybody. Jared Allen, former NFL edge rusher, uh, two-time sack champion. Uh, incredible story. Uh, started at uh, Idaho State University uh, and made his way all the way to the NFL and had an incredible career. Career now, excitingly moving forward in the in a competitive realm by, by heading up the curling aspect of things, trying to get to the Olympics to win that bet. And tell them I told you so. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with another team and another guest right here on The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf.